Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kimmy. And we're the hosts of Talk 30 Rock to Me. Do you crave cheese late at night? Do you have lots of thoughts on your mind grapes? Do you think a rape whistle can double as an accessory? Do you miss 30 Rock? We sure do. We miss it so much, we started a podcast about it. New episodes every Tuesday. Subscribe today. Hey, improv lovers. Welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm going to get to the episode as quickly as possible. DC Pearson is a guest, and man, that guy is awesome. Can you tell that I'm super intimidated by him? I tried to hide it, but I don't know. I don't think I did a good job. You be the judge. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, thank you for those who left iTunes feedback. Zachless, thank you. Uh, Daniel Burson, thank you. That, that was the nicest review anybody could ever leave. Thank you. It really means a lot to me. Um, and you also gave big ups to the theme song, which was by Crystal Friedman. Crystal, thank you for the theme song. I never thought my name would ever be sung. <laughs> so uh, leave iTunes feedback. I really appreciate it. It helps my ego. Okay. Yes. Last thing. I added a new feature to the show. You can call in and leave questions for guests or leave questions for me or just talk about general improv stuff or kind of whatever you want. Uh, you call 225-OBSESS9. That's 225 225- Six two seven three seven seven nine. You you get to leave a voicemail. Uh, maybe kind of give me a little heads up of what the subject is. Try to keep it short. Introduce yourself. Whatever you guys know how to leave voicemails. You're big kids. Uh, and if I like it, I'll put it on the show. Just like I'm about to do with Caroline. Hi, my name is Caroline, and I just wanted to thank you for the podcast. I really wanted to take classes, and I was really nervous too. And I heard Alex Berg on your podcast, and it was so fascinating to me that I signed up for a class. And now I'm almost finished, and it's been a blast. So thank you. Bye. No, thank you, Caroline. You're the coolest for calling in. And I'm glad in some small way the podcast could help you out. You guys can call in anytime. Uh, it's, again, the number is 225-OBSESS9. That's 225-627-3779. You can also find the number on the website, improvobsession.com. Sorry, I got a lot of notes at the top. You guys, you guys just fast forward through this, though, huh? Yeah, I understand completely. Okay, here we go. DC Pearson. Sweet question. You're all good? Uh, it's about improv, right? Yeah. Great. I mean, I hope so. Love it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I have, uh, yeah, I ended up coming up with a lot more questions about other stuff. That's fine. Uh, because you have such a, a hyphenated career. Right. Um, all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Uh, today, I want to welcome a very special guest. Oh, my God. It's you. Uh, DC Pearson. Hey, guys. Uh, you guys know him from Shitty Jobs and Mystery Team and Derek Comedy and uh, an Allstate commercial just recently, and The Boy Who Couldn't Sleep and Never Had To, and, oh, there's got to be something else good. Magic Bag LA, sure, the stand-up. Sure, um, I don't know, any other good credits, man? Uh, that's, pre- that's pretty good. Thanks. I think, you hit the, I think you hit the biggies. Yeah, those are all wonderful mm-hmm. and uh, worth consuming. Um, so I guess uh, I usually just kind of start with, like, uh, what kind of early comedy stuff were you into um, way, back in, way back in the day? Uh, I just noticed that that Super Mario 3 is a clock. Yeah. Uh, that really is not going to play for the home audience, but uh, <laughs> Steven has a Super Mario 3 cartridge that is made into a clock. Yeah, my pretty buddy cool. got it from the Comic-Con and gave me that little oh, Christmas gift. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, I haven't, I've still actually been too lazy to go get a battery oh, to make okay. it run, mm-hmm. but uh, one day. Yeah, I understand. I can't be given anything. I'll never, <laughs> I'm like too lazy to like use it, if yeah. that makes any, you know what I mean? Like, 
if it requires any kind of uh, tasks are hard. Yeah, I get tasks that. are hard. I uh, yeah, I got um, a Valentine's thing from my mother. She sent it to me early, and the, some of those pop tarts are actually Ooh. the remnants of it. Uh, thanks, mom. Uh, she sent me that, and I yeah, I just got to the the post office, and it had been, had been there for like a week and a half. Oh. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I hope she doesn't listen to this. I hope not, too. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. I feel complicated feelings of whether or not right. I want my mom to listen to it. Yeah. I think yeah. you just, uh, you're talking about the dilemma of all artists, I yeah. feel like, you know, and yeah. parents. You, do you ever have that? You have to, right? Um, like, where, you're like your parents, like, do I want them to see the stand-up where I talk about what do I imagine, I imagine when I masturbate, or do I... Oh, that's <laughs> fine. I mean, I, I had an interesting experience where I uh, I do this one-person show called DC Pearson's Bad at Girls, and oh, I did it show. in uh, Phoenix, uh, which is where all my family's from, and my parents weren't able to make it, but my aunt and uncle came, and also my grandma, and so it's like, here I am talking about, like, you know... The last story is me like sleeping with a stripper. Yeah, and That's so I was story. like, "How's this going to be?" And they loved it. It was fine. Okay. Like I, I, I think the more it's like, what is the? And I, I guess other people have other families where this isn't the case. But I'm like, what is the worst that's going to happen? Yeah, anymore. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I guess going back to your question. Oh yeah. What was my um, question? Um, uh, about early comedy stuff. Boom. Um, you're all over it. Uh, I guess the, the typical ones like your Monty Python and your, uh, uh, my, especially like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. Um, and then I, I always had this impression that I really liked Monty Python and the Flying Circus as well. And there are of course like the classic sketches from that, but then I got the, um, uh, DVDs in high school, like the full like box yeah, set, which is yeah. a really cool gift. But then you go through and you watch individual episodes, and it's like, oh, the ones that have kind of survived are, the good, are the kind ones, of the good not ones. not necessarily to say the good ones, just the ones that are <laughs> translatable to our modern yeah. experience. You know what I mean? Like I uh, I had the sort of a similar thing. I did. Uh, I really liked Holy Grail a lot. Mm. And I remember seeing, uh, is it Life of Brian? Yeah. Uh, on DVD. I think I still have it. And I got it and I was like, mm, this isn't really the same. It's funny, but I just remember yeah. being like so vastly disappointed. Right. I was like, oh, I thought this was just going to be Holy Grail again. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a lot more thematically ambitious. And yeah. there are parts of it that are like super, super clever. And there are yeah. other parts of it that are funny, but it just isn't the pound for pound laugh riot that uh, Holy Grail is. Well, and I, and I saw, and remember when I was watching it, I was like, I'm probably 11 or 12. So it's like, right, exactly. it definitely, like, all the, all the you know, all that shit's missed on the, me. I want to see a rabbit attack a guy. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, did you ever have that Holy Grail uh, computer game? There's a Holy Grail computer yeah, game? Yeah, it was good. It was really oh. good. It was like, it came out, oh God, it must have been, I, I was probably in middle school, so it was probably like 97 or 98, kind of in the golden age of like CD-ROM yeah. games for like PC. Those are good um, years. It was really fun. Yeah, it was like authorized. There was like a lot of fun, funny, it was like a fun game and also just like if you're a fan of the movie, it was yeah, very you exciting. Get to, you get to laugh Especially I was at the perfect age for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like um, uh, I would say Monty Python was, was pretty huge. Um, and then of course I remember seeing like, uh, well I was big into George Carlin. That was like a big, he was kind of my first like stand-up hero, I would okay. say. Um uh, That's ambitious. Then, so, like, as far as entry to stand up as like George Carlin, like I like stand up a lot right. when I was young. I, yeah. I all the time watch it all the time. Mm. But uh, 
But yeah, like it took me a while to get into George Carlin in yeah. any type of serious way. Um, yeah, I think I, I sort of peaked with him when I was in my obnoxious atheist phase in oh, like cool. mid high school. <laughs> and obnoxious atheist. You know what I mean? Like sophomore, junior, obnoxious atheist. <laughs> to just interrupt people and go, uh, there's no God. Yeah, well, and by the way, I'm going to have a burrito for lunch. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> and uh, by the way, I'm having a burrito for yeah. lunch is the <laughs> right. afterward. Exactly. Yeah, no, it was funny. I was just thinking about that because I definitely, there was a lot of like having burritos for lunch and like <laughs> hectoring the born again Christian girl who had also been my first case a couple years earlier about just like abortion is, you think abortion is wrong and it's not pro-choice everything it's like it's lunch it's like 11 45 in the afternoon 11 45 in the morning and here we are hectoring this poor girl about how she's uh she's pro-life um but uh yeah so uh, <laughs> um, uh yeah so george carlin i guess like um, and then a lot of like do- like uh, dr katz professional therapist which was a show on comedy yeah. central in the late squiggle 90s vision. early squiggle vision uh great stuff john benjamin um, speaking of him, I remember John Benjamin came to do a panel. Him and Brendan Small came to do a panel for home movies when I was at uh, NYU when I was like a freshman. Oh and I remember God, being like so way I had just gotten into like UCB stuff. Mm. And I remember like asking because I you know they do a lot of like improv and they do a lot of like improv and stuff on Doctor Cats and that's kind of what made it cool. And I remember being like, did you ever have any like formal training? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay. Just sad. Such a not interesting question. That you want to be like, it's one of those things where you want the person that you're asking the question to be like, wow, man, do you want to come like do home movies with us? Because you yeah. asked if we had training or not. You know what I mean? Like that whenever, kind of whenever I ask that one or hear people ask that one, and I and I still do it, and this is part of the why I'm doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I just expect people to tell me the trick, right. uh, the secret, and I'll mm-hmm. be like, okay, cool. Now I can do it. Great. Yeah, <laughs> everything is is looking for that button that yeah. doesn't exist. It's yeah, it's hard. I mean, uh, like I, uh, you know, I'm writing, I, I write a lot too, and um, uh, yeah, like you hear people go to like any writers panels and stuff like that, and there's a lot of there's a lot of like very specific advice that people are looking for, and just like just tell me how to get in, like oh, what's yeah, your thing, sure, and, like I sure. think I'd be great at it, and you yeah. know, like what if you're what if your act three slumping a little, and you're just like yeah, oh boy, <laughs> yeah, no for sure, and it's like everyone wants to know what that what that shortcut is or what the trick is, and what that presumes is like that. The people that you look up to, all they, all, all that's separating you from them is like that, one, that like little switch that they happen to find that yeah. you haven't found yet, yeah, and that they're somehow hiding it from you, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, and that, and that, I still think that they are. There is a switch <laughs> it's in the Hollywood Hills. You have to find it. There's no GPS. GPS will start going crazy when you get there. Yeah, it's just trying to throw you off the trail. (laughs) You're getting too close. (laughs) Um, All right, so. Then they shoot out a laser. uh, Does it burn out your eyes or does it just scare you? It just scares you. Okay. It it dazes you. Okay. It dazes. Because I thought that may be what happened to Stevie Wonder. No. Okay. Yeah. No. He, he, yeah. He was. He. He's, he. Uh, he was the first. He created it. <laughs> he switch. Yeah. Exactly. He created it, mm-hmm. and then Beautiful. he dashed out his own eyes so he could never be forced to take people back there. That's how much he cares about it. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> trying not to enjoy that too much. Okay. Moving on. Uh, so when did? <laughs> Uh, so I know I know that you were uh, you were fairly into like writing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a big reader, right? Sure. Uh, before uh, college and all that. But like, when did when did you decide to like maybe start pursuing comedy on a bigger level? Like, was that ever a time for um, you? Or comedy was kind of a weird detour. Actually, um, I I never in 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 high school I never thought oh I want to be a comedian. 
I thought I want to be like an auteur filmmaker, a yeah. la Quentin Tarantino or Kevin Smith, who were my heroes at the time. Um, and so I wanted to pursue like filmmaking. So when I was going away to college, I applied to the film programs at USC, UCLA, and then I applied to the dramatic writing department at NYU because I was like, oh, that seems cool. It's like a cool, interesting specialty that these other schools aren't offering. And also like, that was something that I, I didn't know that I could like direct movies, although every, you know, too smart for their own good movie watching kid in high school thinks that they can. Cause they're just like, Oh, I'll just put the camera in the fridge. That'll be great. Um, <laughs> it's a great uh, shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah. So I thought that I wanted to do that. And then when I went to college and I got into sketch comedy via this, uh, this group called Hammercats that was like an NYU, uh, student, uh, sketch comedy group that was in their like second semester when I was starting. Um, I really wanted to, uh, um, and I started doing UCB stuff. I started studying at UCB and like that, that we, we started having a show at UCB kind of in the um, spring of that year. And that's also the same time as I started the group Hammercats did. And that's also the kind of the same time as I started studying improv there. And so I think once I started into comedy, I got really, really, really super duper into it and was like, fuck all that other stuff that I thought I wanted to do. I really want to be like a comedian. And at the time it was more kind of in the sketch realm. Like I didn't really think like I wanted to be a stand up. Um, and I didn't really think, Oh, I want to be an improviser solely because there's no path for that. Right. Specifically. Um, and so, yeah, so I just really wanted to get into, you know, sketch and hopefully figured that would lead to something like there was a very brief, uh, horrifically disillusioned and not disillusioned, uh, delusional, uh, the disillusionment would come later. The disillusionment <laughs> follows the delusion, um, where we kind of this like 12 person group, most of whom were still in college, all thought that we were going to like be the next like late night with Conan O'Brien or something. Like we were like, well, we know like this one guy knows this guy at NBC late night and we're going to come out to LA and perform at the LA <laughs> sketch festival. And then it's probably like, we're just going to put a 12 person group on like every night of the week for, uh, <laughs> on NBC. Um, uh. and then we very quickly realized that no one, much less NBC wanted anything to do with a 12 person group. Yeah. Um, but wouldn't have been a sweet if they did, if you could just been super sweet, uh. basically, especially <laughs> if we were all on each other's shoulders, pretending to be one giant talk show host, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a Muppet man, but like men, exactly. Muppet <laughs> men. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of when I started going like, okay, I think I want to do comedy, um, as a thing. Wow. Uh, that's. Hmm. Okay, so, but you okay? So you dramatic, and you went for study. You went to NYU mm. for studying uh, dramatic writing uh, and television. Right? Yeah, I, that's I, I focused on TV, TV writing, writing for sure. Um, and then uh, let's see. So hmm, where's where's the where's the next interesting part of the history of DC Pearson? So is it uh, so okay? So yeah. So you just started taking you you do sketch before improv, and you start right. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. so like getting into improv. Uh, how'd you find UCB? Uh, and then like what was uh, what was early. Great question. Thanks, man. Um, Thanks. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good uh, at coming up with these. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> um, uh, well, I guess I started, I had watched, um, UCB, uh, the show mm -hmm. when it was on comedy central and like me and my friend, my best friend Trevor from home were like really super duper into it. And then, um, I remember 
uh, my freshman, I'd heard of, and then I'd also heard that they had like a theater and I, but then I'd forgotten about it. Yeah. And then I came to NYU and like my first week, there was this one, one of those like, uh, first week of college friends where you kind of like, aren't really going to end up being friends with them past the first yeah. week of college. But like uh, at the time you had a lot of those. best friends. Yeah. Yeah. This girl, like, uh, Catherine, um, uh, who ended up being a theater student. I got, I wonder where she is now. Uh, what if she's? What if it was Catherine Zeta Jones? That'd be wild. Catherine, uh, if you're out there, <laughs> let us know got, what's going on. She got, gen, she got uh, ethnicity and age <laughs> reassignment surgery. Um, uh, but she um, was like, "Oh, there's this group. You know, it was, it was one of those like, there's always one out of five kids that go to NYU that are just the super like they have like the guidebook of everything that they're gonna do in New York, and we should go do this." And she's like, they have this thing called Ask Cat where it's this like free show, and you go and see it. It's on Sunday nights. They have lots of. Uh, SNL people. It was mm-hmm. like the big sell. And I was like, okay, so me and her and a couple of other kids, uh, uh, one of whom is this kid, Dent May, who has gone on to be signed to, he plays the ukulele and he's on Animal Collective's record label. He dropped out after our first semester. He's a cool guy. Uh, <laughs> we, he was somebody that I didn't end up being friends with because he wasn't in school anymore, but like he was, there's always somebody I think of very fondly. Um, anyway, uh, he's Catherine Zeta Jones now. Um, <laughs> we went to ASCAP. And then I remember the UCB4 were all in that ASCAP, which as anyone who goes to a number of ASCATs will tell you is, is a pretty rare thing. It was yeah. even a, I didn't know it, but it was a pretty rare thing at the time for them to all be in town. Like, this is in New York. This is pretty yeah. the founding of the L.A. Theater by a couple years. Um, so uh, they, and then they introduced a bunch of cool SNL people, and they do the ASCAT thing, and it was like everything that I'd ever, because I did short form in college, or high school, I ran my uh, um, school's like short form group, and I remember being like, holy shit, this long form improv thing, which I'd only ever previously heard of, never seen done. Uh, I was like, this is all like all of the cool stuff that I always really liked in short form. They would always get interrupted in short form by like a new choice. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like now do a British accent, um, which don't get me wrong, British, British accents are still the foundation of, of comedy. And anyone who tells you different is uh, selling something. It's true. Um, I was going to make a Downton Abbey joke on that one, but I know nothing about Downton Abbey. Really? So I, yeah, I, um, I, I, I understand. It's, it's here's the thing about it. everybody yeah. on Tumblr likes it and posts about it a lot. And but I still don't understand. I didn't, I know it's British, right? Yeah. The well, end. there's um, <clears throat> there is a certain kind of thing where it's like if people talk about something enough, and it just has this like it's it's kind of Downton Abbey's having the moment that like The Wire had in like two thousand, like right before the fifth season aired, where everyone was just like, oh, The Wire, you got you got to do it, you got to see it. And if I had just started been if I hadn't seen The Wire at that point, I probably still wouldn't have seen it because yeah. it would have been so obnoxious. Um, yeah, that's that's ex- I firmly stand in the stand. Right. Like, I'm like, no, I'm not gonna watch it now. It's really fun. It's like a soap opera. It's All a right. British soap opera. Yeah. It's fine. All right, man, let's um, check it out. <laughs> I mean, I mean that as a compliment. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, so saw Ascat was really blown away by it. Was like, this is totally awesome. But also had the wonderful and overly ambitious and arrogant thought that like I'll probably I can probably do that at that level right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, if I were on... If I, I'm really smart. I'm super funny. If I were on stage with them, I would just be, like, nailing it. You know, yeah. I'd be fine. Sure. And so I started doing... Uh, around that time, started doing sketch with Hammercats and improv, which, with this group that at the time was called Camp on a Wanna Swim Team, and me and a bunch of other people were like, That's we can't be named after some fucking thing from late 90s Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon, yeah. Is what was that show? Salute Your Shorts. Shorts. Got it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we can't do that. So we, we changed the name of the group to Danger Box, and then all of us quit. So we, <laughs> we changed the name of the group, uh, took 
some of the funnier people from the group mm-hmm. and all of us quit the group and just <laughs> kept doing Hammercat stuff. Um, <laughs> and uh, which is funny now because my girlfriend uh, Haley w- ran Dangerbox for a couple years, and like uh, it was funny because she was like, they still talk about. The, the time when everyone in Hammercats joined Dangerbox, then stole everyone in the group away and quit. Um, so there's there's still uh, sort of it's a it's a complicated. Uh, it still hurts. It's at least as complicated and emotional and violent as the Israel Palestine conflict. Um, I don't feel like I'm exaggerating at all when I nope. say that. Um, so so uh, yeah. So uh, I started doing. Um, taking UCB classes and like I said I was like well I've been doing sketch we already and like at that point we had started having a run of our sketch show at UCB um, and I was like I'm gonna just be fucking great at this immediately and I went in and I think for a while I was able to coast on being confident and having like funny ideas but then I got to level at the time which was level three which would now be like 301 um, and this teacher, Michael Delaney, who is sort of famous for being the guy that like actually tells you how good or not good you are instead yeah. of like pulling punches and being like, Hey everyone. It's the reason that most people or a lot of people hate it once they get to the later levels is because they're like, it used to be like fun and supportive and now it's not, it's like all this work and you have to think about stuff. <laughs> I have to try and apparently, yeah, like, exactly. apparently I'm denying people. I don't right. understand. <laughs> um, uh, and so he was like, I, I remember doing some scene where I had just decided based on the suggestion, like, or A, I decided the person that I was in the scene with wasn't any good. And B, I had decided that I had a great idea and I would just like ramrod the idea through and that would just be fine. And so I, um, was doing that. He like stopped the scene after like 12 lines and he was like, uh, it looks like you're writing a sketch on your feet. To me, he's like says he's like it looks like you're trying to write a sketch on your feet. That's not the way that we do things here at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, and that's not the way that Del Close would have done it. And then I just like sat down, like destroyed, just kind of sad. Because not only <laughs> hit sad he, like, quiet. here, I thought I was a big hot shot, and not only hit he invoked like the fact that like he, he had a completely diagnosed exactly what was wrong with the way that I was improvising, which was exactly the way that I thought made me a better improviser. Cause I was just like, <laughs> I'll just come up with an idea and then force them into it. And then it'll be great. Um, but he had also, you, you're invoked, an improv like the name of the theater and by extension, you know, yeah. the UCB four. Uh, and he had also invoked, um, Del Close, the <laughs> founder God. of modern long form improv. Yeah. And I, so I was just like, holy shit. Like that, was, you know, I was just totally destroyed by that, which was great. Yeah. D- nothing better has ever happened to me <laughs> in my life um, in terms of improv than just being totally humbled in that way. It was awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, so that really kind of like humbled me and stayed studying improv and stayed working at it and like went out for Herald teams, didn't get on, went out for them again, got a call back, but didn't get on. And then I think went out for them a third time and then got on the team. Yeah. Um, and which again was good because it made you go like, oh, this wasn't handed to me because I also know people who were like the, to quote, uh, men in black Two, the new hotness, um, and like came through and kind of like meteorically almost immediately got onto a Herald team. And then that Herald team was like the, the young, the young guns of improv. Yeah. Uh, we used to have, we had a fucking, our, um, first description of our group Hammercats on the UCB website, which was written by our director at the time, uh, described us as the, um, the premier young guns of NYU fame. 
Okay. The premier, the premier sketch comedy, Young Guns of NYU fame, I think is what it was, which was easily the lamest and most pretentious thing that yeah. anyone's ever heard. But we sold a lot of tickets. That's all that matters. Want to see these premier Young Guns <laughs> of NYU fame. This description sold. Me. Uh, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, and I still have that tattooed on my chest. You can't, you can't, you can't see it though. Um, it's UV ink. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's why I wear all these black light shirts. They have black light <laughs> fabric inside of them. Um, uh, so yeah, so. Um, so then, wait, where does uh, where does uh, the Derek comedy guys come into this? Because, I mean, that's I feel like that's probably a huge part. Oh, of, sure. Uh, yeah. So where where when did uh, mm. when did you find those guys? Well, Derek, and then when the, did... the formation of a group called Derek. It was sort of they ran concurrently. It was basically like me and a bunch of people in Hammercats graduated, mm. and there was this big schism, big and poorly handled schism between the people that were still in school and the people that were not in school anymore. And it's really boring to go into, but basically myself, Donald and Dominic, the, or the important upshot for our purposes is that my, well, important, um, myself, Donald and Dominic ended up performing in the quote unquote professional group, which is people that had graduated, even though we were still in school mm-hmm. at UCB while uh, directing, uh, Donald was the director and me and Dom were like the assistant directors. Uh, and we all three were like kind of served as the head writer basically, um, of the group that was still in school. Mm -hmm. So we weren't going to be performing in the group that was still in school. We were just going to be like running that group while performing in the professional group. Um, and so the three of us started writing a lot together, um, both in the like college group, because we ostensibly were putting, we we were putting up a new show of material every month and ostensibly that would be written by the, the ensemble, but the ensemble for the most part would be too busy doing like, you know, productions of a fellow that were set in some dude's asshole. Um, and so they couldn't write sketches. Uh, and that, which is unfair. Some people wrote sketches, um, but sometimes not enough to make up a show or especially a show that we would be proud of. So we would sort of unilaterally either rewrite people. Um, and I'm not saying this is something I'm necessarily proud of, although I think it made for good shows. Um, I don't think that you necessarily get a lot out of democracy, um, in artistic situations a lot of times, unless you have a democracy amongst people who respect each other. Mm-hmm. If you have a democracy that's just sort of from the top, like, we should all be democratic, but yeah. not everyone is on an equal level of respect, it kind of results in a lot of mediocrity. Yeah. Um, for better or for worse. Uh, although people's feelings probably get hurt less as well. Um, <laughs> or maybe they don't. I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, we... Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> We also, at the same time, so we really started working together a lot, me, Donald, and Dominic, and really kind of, like, respecting each other's uh, comedic uh, voices and enjoying working together. And so we started kind of writing together a lot for the uh, quote-unquote Hammercats professional group as well. Um, And we, so we split off, well, first of all, the name Derek came about because we entered the UCB three-on-three improv tournament as the three of us. And we were like, we need a name. It was that that time it was me, Donald, Dominic. We were like, we'll just get another D name. And so we're like, ah, oh, Derek. Um, and uh, then we had, so we performed in that first three round three. We were very very not good, and we got knocked out in the first round. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Brutal. Yeah. What are you gonna I, do? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I still remember that show though more vividly than shows where we were good that I enjoyed. Um, <laughs> 
of just being like, we fucking can't get this thing going, man. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> this, we were, is, this is going to never work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we all, we were like, and then we decided never to do comedy. And oh no, what happened? Um, uh, and so then Dom was roommates with Dan Ekman and um, Maggie was Dan's uh, girlfriend. And the three of them would work together and produce short films that Dan would direct and, and Dom would typically write and Maggie would produce. Um, cause Dan and Dominic were in film school and they would work together a lot. Mm. And so because me and Donald started hanging out a lot at Dom's place, the five of us started getting together and kind of like, we first started with us making videos, both for the profession, Dan directing videos for the professional group and for the college group. Anyway, I remember when I said I wasn't going to go into this in too much detail cause it's not that interesting. Um, <laughs> Point being, we we sort of, yeah, exactly. Uh, We sort of at a point started wanting to shoot the sketches that myself, Donald, and Dominic had written. And so we started doing that. And then we eventually were like, we're more interested in doing this. Whereas everyone or a bunch of other people in Hammercats, the professional group wanted to start doing another stage show. We were like, it's a better use of our time to just make these sketches that are videos. I think we're just going to go do that. And so we split off from the group. Amazing. Uh, you're right. That was a long story, but it was interesting. I, I liked a lot of it. Okay. Uh, um, so, so then you guys, you break off, uh, and then, hmm, well, let's see, I guess it's, this is about improv. So maybe I should talk about improv sure. stuff. Um, so you event, you did eventually make a Herald team. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, so like, what was, what was, what was your early run as on a Herald team? Like, like, where are you? Oh, that's a good did question. you feel like, did on, you feel like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep saying that's a good question because it is actually, it's like, I know that you're like, uh, wanting to maybe talk about other stuff, which I appreciate, but it's also like nice to talk about improv as well. Cause it's not something that normally it's something where you're like, that's just such insidery fucking shop talk, but that's yeah. the point of your podcast. I feel like or one of the points. Yeah. Um, definitely. if I'm to understand correctly, just improv, um, just improv, uh, <laughs> uh, which is weird. Cause I'm going to cut out, I'm going to cut out yeah. everything. <laughs> this is we it's got so weird though. Cause this is all pre-written. Are... We're both reading out <laughs> scripts on, on music stands. Thank you for taking uh, the time to write this. By yeah, the no way. Problem. Um, uh, but so yeah, so I got placed in New York on this Herald team called DeCoster, which was named after Matt DeCoster, which is one of the, who was one of the guys in the group. Um, and just cause I don't know, we thought it was a cool name. Um, and it was weird because I was a newbie relatively. I mean, I'd been around the theater for many years. I'd been in Hammercats. People kind of knew who I was, but I was the first, it was my first time on a Herald team. And, uh, everybody else in the team had been on Herald teams. I mean, in the case of like somebody like Ari Vukitis, he had been on like the first round of Herald teams at the theater in like 1998. Yeah. I feel like, um, and so it was interesting because everybody else, not to say they were over it because they weren't like some people, I mean, especially Ari hadn't been on a team in a really long time. So it was kind of his like return to improv. People were really excited to be on this team with each other, but they were, there was also a certain amount of, I'd never got that new team feeling where everyone's just like, we're finally on a Herald team. <laughs> we're doing it, which honestly wasn't, I didn't miss it necessarily because I had been around the theater for so long. So I kind of was happy to at least pretend to be over it, even if I wasn't. And that's not to say they were over it. They weren't over it, but they were like everyone had been on teams before. So the novelty on that level was kind of, uh, was kind of gone for them. Um, and we weren't okay. I think we were, I think we were okay. And then I think we trended into being good. Uh, and then I got put on another team and then I left New York. And then apparently after I left, New York, I think that supposedly, I think they got really good. 
for a the, while. The law firm was it? Uh, this is DeCoster. Oh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> was, which was my first team. Uh, so I was on DeCoster. I feel, felt like the role that I happily served on that team and that I sometimes still serve, or I feel like it's my kind of improv superpower, is okay. I like... I I think I'm 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 decent in scenes. Um, I think I'm a decent actor. I think I'm a really I'm really good about serving the whole piece. If that makes any sense, like I'm really good about like big, big connections, connections and yeah. thematic stuff and weird um, playing with edits and weird kind of cut twos and all kinds of stuff. And I mean, if you look at like Derek, the way that we play in Derek, or especially the way that we play in Shitty Jobs, it is we do like a lot of like cut twos and tag outs and stuff like that. Like there's not a lot of, um, uh, I guess what you would call traditional, uh, Herald structure. Yeah. Uh, so I, that was, I think my biggest strength on DeCoster, um, because it also had, was a team that had a lot of really good gut improv players that were just kind of like good from moment to moment within scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was helpful to have somebody that was kind of looking out for the bigger picture thing. Like we are going to need a blackout line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we are going to need those uh, pigeon zombies to come back. Yeah. Um, at some point. Yeah. Uh, and if I, if, if I have to lead them, then that's what I'll do. Uh, so do you, do you still feel like you do that uh, for shitty jobs? Cause I'm, I'm trying now. Now I'm racking my brain, but I always feel like that's Dominic's thing, and that's not not to knock you in any way. But I'm always just like I'm always just like upsettingly impressed with Dominic. I'm like, why did he just got the connection, and mm. now this whole thing makes sense? And why did this right. just happen? Yeah. Do you still feel that way, or um, and well, I, it's, well, again, isn't well? You clearly don't. I, uh, um, I know. I'm just I'm trying to think of one, and I'm sure you do it. I just I, right. uh, I don't know. No, yeah, I I feel like I do. Um, like what? Like okay, so but, I'm, but that's also not to say that. I'm the only person on the team that's doing that. No, either. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is nice because, like I said, it's like that's kind of the way that we all play. Whereas in on other teams, like in Herald teams, which are not randomly selected, but you're assembled, you're not, you don't, you're not self-selecting. Right. Um, it is nice. I feel like on on one of those teams to have somebody like that, especially because there were a lot of other people on the team that were more, as I said, like gut improvisers, which I don't feel like I am. Um, or at least I am to a degree enough to make me a decent improviser, but I'm not, that's not my strength. Uh, and then I got moved to a team called the law firm, which had, had, they had kind of assembled themselves. They were a bunch of people that had been of a similar generation that had been playing on a bunch of different Herald teams. They started, and this is up still in New York. They had started doing indie shows together with the sort of purpose of eventually, hopefully, becoming a team that would play together on Herald Night or play together in their own weekend show. Right. Um, and that was a that, that was a team where I was stepping into a place where people were over it is too harsh of a term, but it's the best term that comes to mind. It was a team that felt like they had been kind of. They were particular. They were they were constantly being picked off for weekend teams. Like one person or two people would leave a weekend team to move to L.A. or yeah. just quit doing it, and then they then law firm would get poached. One or two people would get placed on that weekend team, and so I was on the like fiftieth iteration of it. Sure. Um, and I'm sure it's gone through even more now. Yeah. Um, and so it was really really cool because I was on a team with a bunch of people. I was on a team with Dom. I was on a team with uh, like John Gabris and 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 Ben Rogers and uh, Greg Tukulescu, these people that I really, really liked and respected as players and and also felt, um, I was very intimidated on that team because they were people that were 
of my generation or maybe a, a generation slightly before me, but they were also really, really super good. Yeah. Um, and so that was a team where I felt like I was more on the honor student tip of kind of, it was a very gutsy, impulsive, weird team that was sort of dead set on just doing weird stuff that it was going to be hard for improv teachers to explain to their students. Um, and so, I think that that's, sorry, go ahead. So no, that, that sounds like the New York version of uh, shitty jobs, basically. Nah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although I think there was a period where we were, where law firm was not because of uh, the certain kind of exhaustion with Herald Knight mm. that the team had, they, that they weren't necessarily playing up to their potential. I think that there were other, not uh, playing up to our potential. We just weren't, we were having the shows that we were going to have yeah. based on the demeanor and the history of everyone on that team at large. And the shows, I think for the most part were really, really super funny. Yeah. Um, but as far as like Harold Knight goes, it's like Harold Knight, typically the teams that are the most rewarded are the teams that are playing the way they're playing a really, really good version of the exact thing that students are being taught in class. Yeah. Um, and so there were teams that I would describe as more kind of like overachiever teams where they were you know, a really, really great ensemble. They played together really well. They were super traditionally supportive right. is what I would call it. Um, and they were playing really strict e herald rules. You yeah. know what I mean? And they were doing it really, really well, but they were doing the best version of what they're taught in class. Now, I think that at a certain point, hopefully, if you've been playing together long enough or you've been just been playing individually long enough, you kind of do your own spin or take on whatever that very traditional thing that you're taught is. Yeah. Um, or at least you would hope so. Um, and so I think that that's what Law Firm was doing. It, I think because Law Firm was on, still on Herald Night and a little bit exhausted of the politics of Herald Night, uh, that we were having really du super duper funny shows, but also shows that showed a little bit of exhaustion and kind of a punk rocky kind of disrespect. Um, we'd climb on the seats a lot. I don't know. It was fun. Um, Whoa. I know. Shit was crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. It's fun. Like being like, dude, it's fucking, but anyone, anyone that describes themselves as any kind of punk rock doing sketch or improv is just like, shut up. It's still <laughs> the nerdiest thing possible. True. Shut up. Um, uh, and then, um, and then I think that that's what, and shitty jobs was self-selecting and we were self-selected the New York improvisers from a particular generation or two. And I think that the way that we play is very, is the product of people that were on a billion different Herald teams for a billion different years. Yeah. Um, and by a billion, I mean five. Um, <laughs> uh, and we play the way we want to play. And I think we have really fun, funny shows and we almost never have a show that we're all just like, Oh, what the fuck was that? You know what I mean? Like we either have shows where we're like, Oh, the audience didn't really go with us on that. We have shows where it felt more like work to us than we don't necessarily like those. But I feel like, and this is not to say that I'm like, every show we do is fucking amazing. I'm just saying we very rarely have shows that, based on the things that we like about improv and the things we like about playing with each other, that we're overtly disappointed in. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, I, yeah, that's true. I think, and I don't know, I, I'm sure you kind of know this or have some idea of it, but like, yeah, a lot of people talk about shitty jobs specifically, and I uh, might as well just get into this. Sure. Uh, like how, I feel like every... Yeah, every everybody who's in like 401 has heard like don't do what shitty jobs does. <laughs> and they've also and they've also heard um, <laughs> heard or said stuff like 
I, what they were doing was bad improv. Like of just saying like what the basic rules of improv are, just right. things like that, just bad. Uh, and I have I have been one of those people. Mm. I'll fully admit it. Uh, and I've uh, and I actually talked to Dominic a little bit about this too on the his, his very first episode. Uh, but I figure I'll talk to you a little bit about it. Is it too. bad improv though? Um, well, okay, so. No, I, I I've come around on it. I've come around on it, right. but uh, a little bit. Okay. But I still, but I still like. I've definitely seen like, and I, I, this is a move that I point to specifically mm. that was you, uh, and I remember it very well. Going like, you, if if I did that in any class right. and anything where I had to answer for what I'm doing, yeah. I would get fucking railed. Right. And you said somebody came out. You were doing something fucking bonkers. I don't remember what it was. Uh-huh. There were dead people floating in swamps, whatever. Okay. You, you came out. You did something bonkers, and you did. And then somebody goes, "Why are you doing?" I think it was Ben. He goes, "What are you doing? Why are you doing that?" And you go, "Huh?" And yeah. you just leave. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, mm-hmm. and I was like, "You fucking asshole! You yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't even just try." Right. Uh, so. So yeah, I think I think if you're going with what we're what everybody in you know their classes right. are learning, yeah, that that counts as bad improv. But um, I, as I see it, and and, uh, and I said this before, but uh, tell me what you think. Uh, as I see it, it's I don't think it's necessarily bad improv in that you guys. I feel like you're just trying to do what you guys like. I feel like mm-hmm. instead of instead of playing game. It's it's you guys are constantly or like and you guys still do but your guys are constantly just chasing whatever the first funny thing is that happens or whatever you think would be funny. Wait 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 hold on hold on what did you just say? The first funny thing. The first funny thing that happens. Yeah. What is game when you're first introduced to it? Right right. Described as in class. Yeah, just it's the one unusual thing that comes up. Right. Mm. Exactly. I love how this is turning into Frost Nixon of Shitty Jobs. Oh no. Anyway, this is. uh, Um, Am I wait? Am I am I Nixon? I'm Nixon. (laughs) <laughs> I Shit! Think, I think you would be. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're both Nixon. Okay, we're both. That's well, the reveal. This is like Fight Club. We're yeah, the same person. I hope we fight um, later. But but no, but right. that, but you know what I mean. It's and and yeah, that is again one of the things I'm saying. Like I don't know that I can completely back this up anymore. But it is one of those things where everybody's injecting mm-hmm. a lot of funny stuff. Uh, like like Sean does a lot of like. Really interesting walk-ons mm. uh, that you like again are kind of unaccounted for, and you're just like, how that happened? Mm. Uh, and Ben is Ben is the weirdest player ever. Right. Uh, you you're constantly making uh, pop culture and like smart references, yeah. which I want to talk to you about one for of them because sure. I'm pretty sure that you were going to say something about bare naked ladies. Do you have a bare naked ladies fact? You started to say something. Did you know bare naked ladies in a show? Oh, and I'm, really? a, I'm a big bare naked okay, ladies. You're all wearing a bare naked ladies. I am. Shirt for uh, and I wondered I wondered if you what you were going to say was what I think you were going to say. So do you happen to remember that? Before, um, we, before we talk about improv I stuff, don't. let's talk about How music. How recently was this? Oh, it was a while back. It was okay. a while back. Uh, um, you started, you, 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 somebody said something about Bare Naked Ladies and you said, did you know Bare Naked Ladies? And you got interrupted and you just lost okay, it. Right. And, and I was hoping, I was going to, I was hoping that you'd say that the, their lead singer, Stephen Page, left the band and I was hoping I that think that's aware. probably what I was going to say. That's okay, the cool. only interesting Bare Naked Ladies fact that I've learned in maybe the past two years. Okay, or so. cool. That's fair. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I go way back with Bare Naked Ladies. I really, my dad had their, like, one of their first albums that I think was released in the U.S. Like, because he heard them on, like, NPR. No. No. Gordon. Gordon! Oh yeah. my god, yeah, everybody, I forget about um, Gordon. I'm not even a huge fan uh, And I used to listen to it a lot when I was in, like, fourth grade, yeah. after school. And then when they blew up, I was like, yeah, man, I was under the ground floor. <laughs> um... Well, okay. So, um, I, so back to I, this is exciting, no? Because because Dom, I hadn't heard that episode, but Dom told me about it, and I thought it was very interesting. And because one of the things is that we are not really with very with with a couple of big exceptions, we're not really super duper connected to what is said in the sort of class and Herald team community about and teacher community about us. Mm-hmm. Because 
doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, it does it, it, it to a degree, and I really want people to continue to go and learn improv at the UCB school and learn the right way to do it. I'm a, a big, big proponent of go if you if you are going to study anything anywhere but let's say in this example studying improv at UCB the best way you can learn improv at UCB is to go and learn exactly how it's done at UCB and actually try to follow that and actually try to do it to the letter of the law so to speak become the best all-around improviser you can be work on the things that you're not good at perfect the things that you are good at um and then just like anything else then at a certain point once you've done that and you've earned your stripes you can break out of it. Mm -hmm. Now, the mistake that a lot of people make, and the best example I, I, I could use of this is sketch, is that a lot of the, the, the I see, or I you know, used to see more of them because I would bartend at UCB, so I would see like shows every single night, and you would see Spanx, and this is in New York, you see Spanx and things like that, um, and every young sketch group right out of the gate would be super self-reflexive, super self-referency, super like, cut, 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 we're doing a different sketch now, whatever, because everyone wants to break the rules before they actually learn the rules, because mm -hmm. what do you really want to do? You want to sit there and play guitar and learn every single chord and yeah. like until your fingers hurt? No, because that's stupid. You're like, no, I want to play this one song or I want to just do it my own way. And then that's how you develop lazy, bad habits before you learn how to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so that said, I do feel like we have, and even if we, if, if people want to show me on a piece of paper where, where we haven't earned the right, <laughs> I don't care because I feel like we have earned the right to play the way that we want to play. And the thing that I feel like gives us that, not just, of course, we can play however we want to play whenever we want to do it. It's art. Yeah. Uh, so to speak, um, we have er actually earned the right by the fact that we play every Sunday night at the theater at 11 p.m. And we sell out shows and we have pretty much since the first month of doing it yeah. to almost three years ago. Um, so people really enjoy it. And I do kind of like the fact that we are sort of like a weird and, and, and overtly in some ways, uh, quote unquote, terrible mutation of. Tr traditional, you know, UCB sort of game, herald, structure, improv. Uh, that said, yeah, we do completely follow tangents. We do, like, do weird tagouts where we just follow things where it'll result in me and Dom after the show's being like, and then you were, like, a mermaid lawyer, and then that got tagged out into his boss was mad at him for... We do have obsessions. We do have things that we like to do over and over again. We have things that we always like to reference that make each other laugh. We always do M. Night Shyamalan things. Uh... We had a fucking runner between shows when we were doing a cage match run. We Every show, Charlie would come out as Stephen Hawking and try to explain whatever phenomena was happening in the show, and then he would yeah. never get to because something else weird would happen. Uh, we always had... There was a scene where a record contract was flying through the air, and, and some chairs... A chair would fly across, then a record contract would fly across. And then we did that in every single show for the next, like, 18 weeks. Um... <laughs> Terrible improv. Yes. No. Or or is it? Or is it, Steven? <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, but I wouldn't say, here's why it's not bad improv. Because people are laughing, and because at its on its fundamental DNA, it is made of game. Just like everything else that's funny. Um, for my money. You disagree? Uh, I'm trying to think about it, and form an opinion. I think I agree, but I'm looking for a way to disagree, so I can right. get you to talk Well, here's more. the thing. Here's Because I have been... And I still am in situations with like art that I enjoy. Um, I'm sorry, I just realized my phone was on. I'm going to turn it off. Um, with art that I enjoy, um, uh, 
of, especially when you're learning it early on. And I remember being this dude, not so much ever with improv, although I was to a degree, especially with sketch, where I would look at things that were really funny that people liked. And I'd be like, well, yeah, that's funny, but it's not game as I know it. Mm -hmm. And when people would bring in sketches, or when I would bring in sketches to Hammercats, especially when we were doing it at NYU, there would be a lot of times where I was following the letter of the law in terms of like, then this beat, then this beat, then this beat. But it was so the letter of the law that it was fucking boring. Yeah. And one of comedy's main... One thing that comedy needs to live is surprise. Yeah. If you're ahead of the punchline, by the time you get there, it's not going to be funny. Yeah. It has to be surprising. That's not to say that you need to do something that is just completely random and surprising because it's only going to be funny just out of pure shock value. It needs to come from somewhere. It needs to naturally stem from the setup that's gone before it, but it also has to be a, a surprising turn that only you could make. Uh, so are we doing traditional game UCB improv uh, as it's as it's understood and taught, not necessarily. Are we doing something that is a weird mutation of that by people that have done a billion traditional heralds? Absolutely. And what we are doing is something that allows us to be on stage, be ourselves individually and as an ensemble, mm -hmm. and make shit up. And that's kind of, I feel like, at its... Oh God, this is going to end up with me positioning us as like exactly the goal of improv but that is a, a goal of improv I feel like is to be on stage have people expressing exactly how they are funny both individually and collectively and I, 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 I think that we do that right okay I love it. I agree, and I accept all that. Um, yeah I, uh, I, I, I I feel like when I, was, I talked to Dominic about it I uh, wasn't I don't think I was entirely around on accepting it, but uh, I talked to Joe Wenger not too mm. long ago, and he and he kind of he was saying we we talked a little bit about specifically the training program and how the the training program teaches you how to be funny uh, in the in the confines of game and how like ho that will be uh, like a, I could say like a basic a basic formula for how to be funny, right. uh, but you can't teach you how to be funny in that you have to bring something to it, and mm, that's sure. um, and I think and that's kind of like where I've sort of landed on the shitty jobs thing is right. like right they're bringing that to it whatever yeah. whatever it is even if it's crazy and just like yeah there's Stephen Hawking for right. like 20 shows uh, and it's great <clears throat> but yeah yeah I mean we when we have, do shows we have a fucking blast it's yeah. my favorite thing to do yeah, every single week whereas if we were going out there and doing like oh that was you know like a good traditional herald as it's taught in your level 2 class uh, we we might be able to do that I mean, I'm sure we would be, we would do that just fine, but we would also not do it. We wouldn't be having any fun. And if we're not having any fun, the audience isn't having any fun. You guys did, um, Herald night along like you, when they were changing teams, mm. I don't know if you, I'm sure you vaguely remember that you're doing that. I wonder if I say, I don't, I don't think this is the same notebook. Of course it's not. I watched, uh, I watched that one and it was mm. very early in my, my studies and I time, I decided cause I'm like shitty job is crazy. They'll never be able to do a Herald. And you guys lived up exactly to my expectations in that like what you were doing was fucking destroying the format. Yeah. Like I remember just going like it was right, but so fucking wrong. Like you guys, I think the first three scenes, uh, uh, one, a two, one or whatever, however, you right, right, got, right. whatever first three scenes, mm -hmm. uh, I remember I timed it, and I think it was like four minutes. Right. And I was just like, they can't, and there was tags and shit. There's yeah. all kinds of stuff. Right, I'm like, right, right. you guys can't do this. And the pattern game was so 
No, yeah, I think it was boring. I'll feel, I'll feel for you right, guys did a pattern sure. game, and it was boring, and it just like it looked like so unengaged and uninteresting, and yeah. like I'm like, there's no way there's anything good gonna come from this. Well, and then yeah, you guys blew it up we, in the end, but because we fucking hate it. Yeah, we hate it. We've done too many pattern games. We've done yeah. too many organic openings. We've done too many. Uh, group games where everyone just is coming out and doing weird movement-y shit that then has to coalesce into yeah, something. That's the worst. That said, you have to do all that shit that you hate so you can do stuff that you like. Cool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you... It's it, it, it's all well... It's like, you can just go, we're throwing out the rule book without even looking at the rule book. You can totally do that. You absolutely <laughs> can. And there are certain improvisers, and typically... Like, I remember Michael Delaney, like, the guy that I talked about, who I would say is one of the most traditionally game, cerebral, to wonderful effect, because he's brilliant, um, and he's also a great actor, uh, improvisers ever, and I think he would probably put him that, put himself in that class. I think Dom, and maybe Dom even mentioned this in your guys' interview, but I remember Dom always would talk about how Delaney would cite Horatio Sands as being his favorite improviser, and he was like, because Horatio has never thought about the rules a day in his life. And Delaney was like, I need the rules, I need those, I need to be in those confines to know how to be funny in that context. Horatio doesn't need them, and he's great, and he's fine, and he just comes to it very naturally. Yeah. Um, there's a story about Charlie, and I can't remember who told me this story, um, but that Charlie Sanders from Shitty Jobs... Uh, came in to, like, a, a buddy of his, I think maybe it was even Bobby Moynihan's, like, practice group, um, uh, and had never taken a class. Uh, whoever their coach was was like, all right, we're going to do a Herald. Um, Charlie just goes out and is doing, like, beats and group games and whatever. And at the end, the, the coach was like, okay, anybody have any questions? And Charlie was like, so what's a Herald? Yeah. Like, he had no idea what it was. Uh, he just came in and did the format you know, sort of executed it perfectly, very naturally, without having to know what it was. Um, and But that's not to say that everyone can do that. And I'm yeah. not even saying that we can do that. I certainly couldn't have done that coming into my... Like, when I was sitting at ASCAT when I was a freshman in college going, I can totally do that. I couldn't do that at all. Yeah. At, at, at all. At all. Um, but I thought that I could, but yeah. I needed to go through and learn all the rules and think I was great and learn that I wasn't in order to be whatever my version of being a good improviser is, which I feel like I am now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I did. Um, I, uh, it's funny. The, like the, I did, uh, I did a sketch writing class back forever ago with Dominic actually mm -hmm. as a teacher, uh, the very, was the very, very first uh, meetings with UCB. And, um, I was like, I was writing sketches and I'm like, this is all right. This is what we're supposed to do. Uh, and then like on the last day he gave, he gave me like the note of like something I, I have it written down somewhere cause I saved it. Cause I'm like, I don't understand this and I will understand it one day. Yeah. Uh, but he said something like you're playing, you're playing game. Great. Like, and it's great, but it's just boring cause mm -hmm. you're heightening like perfectly linearly. And it's just like, it's right. just like, but it's boring. And I, and yeah. I got, and I ended up getting that note, I think actually in my level four for improv too. Mm -hmm. And I was like. What are you guys talking about? I'm yeah. doing everything you're asking me to. Right. Uh, and yeah, so it's eventually you have to sort of break out of that. And uh, Right. Yeah. Well, you have to best serve the thing inside of you that makes you funny. It's kind of like if you were like some boxer that was like really technically perfect but couldn't like get mad, you know, couldn't like harness <laughs> some, some animal instinct within him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if you don't understand how to you, if you get through it and you learn exactly what the rules are, there's also nothing that says that you'll break beyond those rules. It's kind of something giving yourself the permission to do that. And hopefully when you do give yourself the permission to do that, what is unleashed by that is something that is funny that people actually, that is, you know, interesting. I feel like every single person in the world actually is interesting if they give themselves the permission 
to be honest about what makes them specific. Yeah. And that's not to say that any, I'm going way off on a tangent here already, but <laughs> that's not to say that because there are people that are like, Oh, I need to be interesting. I'll just start wearing feathers in my hair and liking weird things that no one else. 16 year old girls is what you're talking about. Uh, that can't make you interesting. Yeah. What it, what is interesting about you is already inside of you and there's nothing you can do about it. So you have to, and you were just saying you listened to that Baron podcast. We were already, we were kind of talking about that a little bit, but the idea that I'm trying to come around to, which is like, you already have everything that you need. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's not to say you shouldn't work and harness your talent and practice and practice and practice, do a million different things in a million different contexts to get better at stuff. But every, you already have everything that you're ever going to have on one level. So it's kind of just figuring out how to best, uh, um, you know, be the, be shine the, your light on the world. It's, it's, it's sort of bringing out the best version of right, yourself. Exactly. Right? It's, uh, yeah. that's, and that's, and it's hard. It's not easy. No. Uh, uh, so that, that's my next thing. I had Please. my little bit, uh, about how I observe you as an improviser. Please. Um, uh, also this one's kind of, this one can kind of come off as a dick, but it's, I it's going it. to, it's going to, we're going to come, okay, it's gonna, we're it. going to, we're going to dick and then not dick and we're okay. going to, we're going to be nice. So I think you have a lot of intelligence. I think you're uh-huh. a smart guy. I think you perceive yourself as a smart guy. Um, and I feel like when I watch shitty jobs now, I've, mm. I, to be fair, I've never seen you improvise in New York. I have no mm. idea what you're like on right. a real team. Um, uh, and I, and I've only seen you do other stuff a yeah. couple of times. Um, but when I see, so I think, I think you use that, um, as a barrier in a weird way. Like, I don't okay. feel like you're ever being super yourself, like you're being yourself, but you're not being vulnerable. DC Pearson, you're uh-huh. being, you're being like, I'm a smart guy, DC Pearson. Right. And I can fucking own this stage because I'm a smart guy. Right. Um, now I don't think that comes across in other stuff. Your stand up, I feel is like really, mm. uh, vulnerable. And, and actually your one person show, like, uh, DC Pearson's bad at girls. Like I was just like, yeah. I was just like, Oh my God, that's, yeah. that hurts. Like right. it hurts me to watch right, right, right. Uh, so, uh, is is that do you do you feel that way ever? I mean, do you are do you completely uh, well, disagree? First and of all, what's up? First with of that? all, um, oh for Ooh, sure. I mean, you definitely um, you have definitely put your finger on something that is a a way that I improvise, but also b um, a way that I know how to be funny the most immediately, if that makes yeah. any sense, or most readily access. Um, <laughs> And, but also I would ask this, do you see a whole lot of room within shitty jobs for a whole lot of emotional hyper vulnerability? True. That's you fair. know what I mean? Um, one of the best classes I ever took was this class with uh, this woman, Christina Gaussis, uh, who uh, still acts and, and teaches improv and improvises and is hilarious in uh, New York. Um, and she is one of the best like gut improvisers, best actresses, best like being emotionally vulnerable people out there mm-hmm. and she's fucking great at it and she got me to be really really good at it i felt like and and and, and access stuff about that and improvise in a way that i'd never improvised before mm-hmm. so i feel like if i'm gonna do if you and i are gonna go do a 45 minute tj and dave style mm-hmm. thing oh that's absolutely and we're doing one scene some of that's absolutely gonna get access yeah uh do you feel like in shitty jobs like there's a whole lot of room for me to uh, realistically play a, uh, a jilted wife for a period of uh, a one X length of time. Yeah, no. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but you're right. I mean, that is definitely my, that's where I go first. And that's something that I really enjoy doing it within shitty jobs. Yeah. Uh, it is kind of fun to a 
talk about random fucking pop cultural references in a way where it's like me and Charlie can be playing amoebas, but we're also kind of just having that conversation as each other. Yeah. That is something that I really, really like a lot. And we all really, really like that a lot. Um, I love, yeah, I do love being cut off in the middle of being like, you know, something interesting about Bare Naked Ladies Totally fun. It totally hurt fun, me. Right? It hurt me. Nobody else in the audience cared. I, know, I, I know, cared, I man. I was a fan. I got made fun yeah. of in high school for liking the Bare Naked Ladies. Right. And I'm like, did you listen to Lovers mm-hmm. in a Dangerous Time? Right. That's an amazing song. Yeah. Fuck you guys. For sure. I agree. <sighs> um, I'm fine. I'm but fine. No, I know. I understand. I understand. <laughs> uh, no, but you're, 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 to- you're not wrong. I'm not sitting here being like... No, I don't. Yeah. Uh, and is that something that... If, but it, here's the thing. If you were to put me on a like an infinite timeline of my, or if you were to somehow break down my entire life in improvisation or put me somehow through a battery of tests Mm -hmm. uh, as to what my strengths and weaknesses were, accessing that real emotional stuff would probably come up or not necessarily, I think once I, this is really interesting to me, not to anyone else, um, (laughs) uh, I feel like my, it's not that once I turn that valve, it's not there to be turned or there isn't something cool that's going to come up the other side of it. Mm It's, I think that where you would find me lacking is turning that valve is probably only like fourth down on where I will typically go within a scene. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. Not, not your highest priority. I get it. Um, but it's a, to- I really like playing that. And I've also been on teams where being that person that was either totally straight manning something from a very heady kind of place or was totally straight manning something from an emotional kind of place. Uh, was really, really vulnerable. And I feel like I've gone there more when it's more called for, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah. Cool. You were a dick. Uh, I don't feel like I was. Uh, But but I... You you didn't... You said you were... Well, you you know what? I just... I don't want to... uh, I don't don't want people to think that... Because, yeah, I've I've actually criticized uh, a number of people on this show. And it's it's not... And I don't mean it in any mean way. It's just like right. that's an observation that I feel like if if you were particularly sensitive about your right. improv, you may right. go like this fucking. You just yeah, might yeah, leave yeah, and yeah. be like, right, right, I'm right. gonna burn his house. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, so fuck, man. I got a bunch of stuff I wanted to ask you. Sure. I don't have a ton of time. I'm trying to figure okay. out what's the best way to do this. Okay. Um, well, so, so screw all the Derek sketches stuff. I have questions. And screw Mystery Team. Mystery Team's great. Thank I you. love it. Appreciate it. Poster. Boom. Uh, <laughs> uh, but from Dr. Friendship asked, uh, where do you get ideas for, for, specifically for sketches and writing and all that? Um, that's, oh that's, God. that's a tough I one. I could, no, it's not. It, it's not a tough one because there's no... It's not tough because there's no answer to it. Yeah. Um, or on one level, there's no answer to it. Uh, I feel like, oh God, where... Oh, who was it? There's a fucking awesome. Oh, it's in it's on in on writing by Stephen King. I have that. Uh, which I was is reading it. It's great. Oh, it's yeah. so good. But where he, I believe it's in there anyway. Where he talks about uh, where do you get your ideas? As though there's a place where people can write in. They're like, just let me know the place that authors write in to get their ideas and the money yeah. that they pay, and then they send you the ideas. Yeah, and, they, and he's um, t- yeah. You're drawn to the things you're drawn to, and you know it's gonna come from a place between your taste and your. Uh, what you actually bring to the table, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I like, in terms of sketches, I don't know, I like parodying genres that I like and things that I actually enjoy. Um, in terms of, uh, like, I guess, novels and stuff, I, I, I tend to like to write things that are a kind of 
genre-y fantasy or science fiction way to approach something emotional and real, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the um, – th- those are kind of the, the stuff that I like. But in terms of, like, where do you get your ideas, it's like, eh, you get them. It's a, it's, a, it's a where's the switch kind yeah. of question. And yeah. I don't begrudge him. Dr. Fist Pump, what's his name? Uh, Dr. French. Dr. Friendship. <laughs> Dr. Um, Fist Pump has a significantly more lewd question that I'll get to. <laughs> um, Dr. Fist Pump's question is, woo! Um, uh, uh, and the answer is, woo! Uh, but, yeah, no, so I don't begrudge him asking that question. I don't mean to be overly defensive or aggressive or either one of those things about it. Um, it just so happens that it is something where you're just like, you get them, you get them where you get them. Yeah. Fantastic. Sean London wants to know, what was it like improvising with Robin Williams? Oh, that's a good question. Um, that good was, job, you're the best. yeah. Cause he dropped in for, I think when we were playing a cage, cage match, match yeah, during the run. Yeah. Um, uh, he was, uh, I would say the, the experience is best typified by me stepping out to do a scene with him. Him starting to say something at the same time as I started to say something, and he goes, "What? What's that? What's that?" And I was like, "Oh, no, no, no! By all means!" And he goes, and then he kind of breaks character a little bit. He's like, "No, really," <laughs> and kind of like gestures to me as if to say, "I have nothing. I know you think that you're trying to be respectful to me, you know, yeah. comedy superstar Robin Williams, but legitimately, whatever you have to say is going to be valuable and useful." Um, he plays a little shticky and big. But of course he does. He's fucking He's Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. You know what I mean? Yeah, not surprised. Uh, he was super nice. It was a it was a thrill. I have nothing bad to say about the guy. I mean, like, he's also somebody that when you come to be a co- big comedy snob, it's pretty easy to shit on Robin Williams. Yeah. Uh, especially because I loved him so much. And I think when you're a kid and you view comedy as something that's done by the pound, he's somebody where you're just like, listen to all the crazy voices he's doing. He's the f- funniest guy in the world. And I yeah. definitely did think that for a period. Uh, and then I went through a period, as I think most comedy snobs will do, of kind of rejecting him. Sure. And then partially because, even before he came and played with us, and that's also not to say, I should say that he was like, i got to play with shitty jobs. He randomly showed up at the theater should, and yeah. was like, can I play with whatever the show is tonight? And it just so happened it was cage match, so he played with us and with the other team. Yeah. Um, it was totally, totally fun. Yeah. What a thrill. Um and he could not have been nicer. Um, and uh, But even before that, I had kind of started to come around on him, partially just because you want to start to not reject the things that you... Are, uh, it's boring to just stay the same comedy snob your entire life. Yeah, every, um, ugh, that's the worst phase of, like, of be, yeah, getting into it's comedy. A, it's, it's, something like, you have to go, it's something you have to go just, through. You reject, yeah, you go, but you go back, like, right. I, and I still, I still, like, I feel, I feel guilty because I've come back mm. the other way on it a lot, on a lot of stuff, but it's just like, how did I ever like Ace Ventura? And I'm like, because it's hilarious. Right. Like, for what, sure. What's wrong with for that? For sure, for sure. Um, and I, I saw, I didn't see Tommy Boy until like two years ago. When really? I saw Tommy Boy, I was like, this is fucking the greatest. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. And, well, I mean, it, it, it now, I think to to address the Robin Williams thing really quickly, he's got a great, I think the first WTF with Mark Maron episode I listened to was his, really? which is still so great. Yeah. It's so, so, I think it's still my favorite episode of that show. Um, and then as far as the comedy snob thing, cause we kind of sp- spread off sure. over that branch, Let's do it. um, you do go through that phase and you, but you have to go through that phase when you're learning something new, you have to go through that phase of thinking, I'm learning this thing and anything that I see that isn't employing this thing in a very textbook manner, the way that I can understand is less valuable yeah. than the things that I see that are applying that formula. 
Um, so I definitely went through a period of seeing even sketch groups that were funny that were not employing game and what I thought of as being a traditional UCB way and rejecting them because I'm like, they're not doing it quote unquote right. Did you do that in um, film school too? I remember I went to film school oh, for sure. and for like, I remember well, yeah. for like two years I was just like, this film is so bad. And I'm just like, why, why, why shit on everything? Like most films are bad, but you just shit on every, everything that's even like remotely good. You're like, no. Um, well, yeah, but you also shit on things that aren't, that don't have a, if you're learning a traditional three act structure, you shit on things that don't have a traditional three act structure. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, whereas really the question is like, is it, and you can go through your entire life being that guy, but I think the, it's like more fun to kind of come around to a place of synthesis between what you've learned and integrating into that and then going like, but there's a million things going on in the artistic universe. It's probably going to be more fun to have a more open-minded attitude towards a lot of things that are going on, even if they don't subscribe to exactly the way that I learned how to do what I do and yeah. how to apply what I do. Um, and, uh, so I've found that to be, uh, like now, hopefully I'm getting around to that place of being more like Delaney watching and playing with Horatio where I go, that person does it totally a thousand percent different than what I would do. And that's why I love it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Great. Uh, let's see one, a couple, let's see. Sure. Next. Uh, do you, do you have, what's, what's up the next book? Can you tell me anything about it? Um, I can tell you that it's a young adult book. I'll tell you that it's fantasy, and I'll tell you that it's hopefully the first of a series. Great. Um, Love it all. But I have, I have been parceling out information about it, because it probably won't come out for like another year. Oh, it's going to be okay. Um, so I'm, I'm saving my... Uh, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Don't blow your load all at once. Um, uh, uh, and then uh, anything about adapting The Boy Who Couldn't Sleep Never Had To? Um, uh, nothing yeah. super duper in-depth, other than like we, we have written a script for it. Uh, we're continuing to work on, on that script while also kind of like shopping it around and trying to figure out how to get it made. Cool. Um, let's see. When uh, oh, this one goes way back uh, from from Sean Lennon again. Uh, okay. There's was there an early improv? What was it like an early improv? Uh, was there a time when you felt like you started getting it? Uh, and like when did that happen exactly? Um, I want to know the moment. That is a, yeah 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 yeah. Um, wow. Oh, I wonder. Um, well, I mean, I think that there was a false getting it. Yeah. And I think that there was a if not overtly true getting it, because what is it and how do you get it? Mm -hmm. um, that's, what, that's the first And question. you completely hit on, well you're, well, you're right. I mean, you completely hit on one of my improv crutches and especially my crutches within shitty jobs is where I just go like, this is a fun opportunity to say this weird thing and see who in the audience will react to it instead of like traditionally, what's well, a great second line for the scene, right? right? Um, but it's still something I enjoy, and I'm not necessarily apologizing for it. I like that I play in a show where I can kind of do that. Um, but uh, I guess probably being on being on a Herald team and feeling like I was an asset to that Herald team. Uh -huh. Like I actively made that show better. Um, which is a sucky way to think about it because improv is so about the ensemble that you never want to be like, man, I nailed it. Yeah. But you also, if you're me and you've always come from a place less of gut and more of head, then that's kind of, that has its place. We like to, we, there is a sort of, and it's the people that we were talking about who hate improv after level 301 because it's not as fun and supportive as it was. Yeah. Because improv, on the one hand, hopefully you can get to a place of fun and supportive. I feel like we have now reached a point in shitty jobs playing together where I feel the most supported 
and the most having the most fun, even though it's ostensibly a terrifically unquote unquote supportive environment, because we're constantly tagging out, we're constantly talking over each other, we constantly have seven things going on at yeah. once. Um, but I think that I kind of there is a place for if you are a smart person who plays more with your head and plays more with coming up with like comedic ideas or ideas for callbacks or tag outs or weird connections. Uh, or weird genres of thing to play within your show, then there's absolutely a place for that. And once I realized that this thing that I was thinking of is not being a strength because improv is supposed to all be about gut and supporting each other, that I learned that that is actually valuable, then that, that was cool. And I can't pinpoint a moment, but that maybe was the first time that I actually felt like if... And that's not to say I got it, but that is to say I was on the road to, on, on the endless journey towards getting it. Fantastic. Um, all right. I'm going to, I think that's everything that I will even try to fit in. Um, so, okay. Last, last thing sure. to say, sure. segment, the pearls of wisdom segment. Thank okay. you for puns, everybody. Um, uh, can you uh, name or share with us? name uh can you share a note or something that you maybe got one day or maybe even mm. gives gave somebody that really resonated with you and kind of maybe oh this is a, this in. one i always like and i oh, actually okay. talk about this one in a thousand different non-improv contexts which i think is how you know it's actually really good advice because i think also some of the best improv advice or some of the best advice you can get on anything is not like some of the best improv advice you'll ever get is not in a book about improv or some of the best improv advice you'll ever get is not in uh, uh, or, or advice about sketch comedy is not in a book about sketch comedy. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, and hopefully that is part of learning to do what you do really well is being able to see the thing you do everywhere, not just in places where it actually traditionally is. Um, but this actually wasn't an improv class and I really liked it. So this was like Owen Burke level one in New York when I first started doing it. And Owen had a fucking 10,000 great, interesting, fascinating things to say that largely came from a place of being a traditional theater dude, not even necessarily improv. Um, like I remember, and this is not the Pearl of Wisdom, this is a side, side Pearl, <laughs> um, which he talked about the first day, which is one of the reasons that he really likes improv is he referenced um, the Tom Stoppard play Arcadia, at which point I was like, I fucking love this dude over, <laughs> which I already kind of did, um, was he was talking about, because there's, in Arcadia, takes place in England, Elizabeth, not Elizabethan England, anyway, old England, Downton Abbey England, maybe even earlier. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, there's a, or much earlier, actually, there's a girl, rich girl, who's being tutored uh, in, like, Byronic poetry or something, and she's talking about how depressed she is because the Library of Alexandria burned down, and isn't that sad that we're never going to get all of these other plays by all these great Greek playwrights, and isn't that really sad? And her teacher kind of says, well, no, because think about a line of soldiers and a soldier at the head of the line drops something and a soldier at the back of the line picks it up. So nothing ever truly gets lost. So even though we might lose a play by Aeschylus, that play will eventually be expressed through some other form someday. And it just will. Um, and he was like, that's what I like about improv is because nothing gets lost. Everything gets used at its best. Mm -hmm. Um... And I think when you look at a lot of your favorite improv shows that you've ever done, hopefully they feel like something where there weren't a whole lot of loose ends. Everything got kind of addressed and came back around again in some really cool, fun way. Yeah. Um, and I think it's satisfying for an audience as well. Anyway, 
not moving on from side pearl to actual pearl. Um, <laughs> he said that, and this was in like fucking the third week. Oh man, it was just such a such a great class. He was like, um, the reason that we that, so everyone listens in improv. That's listening supposed to be a big thing. Every listen, you got to listen to the other person. You got to listen, listen, listen. And it absolutely is super duper important. And he said, whenever you're in an improv scene and you're in your head about what you should do, you need to push yourself out of your head and actively listen. And A, the phrase active listening was really cool because it's like, you think, aren't I always listening? I'm here, right? But like actually thinking about doing it as an action mm-hmm. is listening. A, was great. But B, he was like, and the reason you do that is not just because of some, you're supposed to listen in improv, but because you don't know what you're actually doing. You think you know, but you're inside your head. You don't actually know what you're... You think you know what you're saying, the words that you're saying, how you're saying them, what you're doing physically, but you don't know. You're actually kind of the least qualified to speak on that because you're inside yourself mm-hmm. with all of those biases and everything like that. The reason you listen is to know what you're doing because of how the other person is reacting to you. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, I'm thinking about that as a very interesting way to approach listening. I, hmm, okay. Uh, so you don't it, buy it? Uh, no, I'm just trying. I'm trying to think. So it makes it well. It turns. It turns listening. It may, who cares? But it makes it feel very selfish, as if good. Uh, good. Yeah. You All got right. McNapier improvised over there on your shelf. I you know, you know about quote unquote selfish improv. That's yeah, actually good. Yeah. You know about he says I don't feel supported by strength or I don't feel supported by weakness. Yeah. Which he defines as just kind of us both going out there and being like, oh no, your idea is precious. <laughs> please, oh, no, Robin Williams, do it. Please. And then you get those fucking boring level one scenes where everyone's like literally like yes, and we'll also that's great, and then you know whatever. Yeah. Um, so there is a kind of quote unquote selfish improv that's the fucking best. Yeah. You know what I mean. That is absolutely the fucking best. And yeah. it, 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 there's also, yeah, I, selfishness gets a bad rap in improv, but only in level one and two, because that's when you're hopefully weeding out the people when they're selfish, it sucks. Yeah. And it's there, but there's another kind of quote unquote selfishness where it's when somebody's super duper fucking funny and committed and strong, mm-hmm. all you want to do is go with that person yeah. and let that be expressed in its most perfect way and just figure out how you can kind of serve that sure. you know what i mean so yeah you're right well, on the one level it is well like, no it's it well it's just quote, selfish well when you were saying it, it is about you but then is. again you are all you have control of sure when but you were saying that i was trying to picture in my head where this this thing that you may, heard might have been going and i was thinking when you said you want to make sure you're actively listening to the person and then i was like oh the reason is uh so you can help the other person understand what they're actually saying that was my that was my first thought of well, like where this a, is gonna go are. is you, like you're course, going to te- you're course, going to help of course but, but it's like it's we, just a different way it's the same yeah, thing but slightly but different like, but i feel like on a certain level and of course everyone needs to play in that goofy loopy hippy dippy level one kind of way at first yeah. where you are really being super supportive you are really listening really hard Um, and you always need to listen really, really hard and you always need to be super supportive. But a lot of times the way you can be the most supportive is by being exactly as funny and great as you are. Mm -hmm. That's not to say you need to be one of those like standups turned improvisers where you're just fucking riffing on shit the way you would on a standup stage. Yeah. That's not to say you need to completely take focus all at all times because you're like, I'm going to do the funny thing now. Of course not. Of course, I'm not saying that. I'm saying there is a time and a place for selfishness, and uh, 
And I guess, yeah, I guess that is a, 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 a quote-unquote selfish approach to it, but you are all you have control of, and if you can get a more accurate picture of what it is you're actually doing, provided by the other person, then you guys can make the best scene possible, because now you actually know what vibe you're getting off, giving off. And so, if like, like let's say I say something that I think is totally innocuous, mm-hmm. you react to it in your second line and the way you look and sound and everything, and the way you respond to it verbally, like I'm kind of being a creep. Mm-hmm. I can either just ignore that and be like, well, I thought I was being sweet, so I'm just mm-hmm. going to keep being sweet. Yeah. Steven's going to keep pretending that I'm or, uh, reacting creepy. like I'm creepy, right? Yeah. Or I can start realize, oh, I think that's what's going on, and now we have a game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now we have me trying to be sweet but actually be creepy while you continue to react that way, and then we see where that goes. Does that make sense? That's wonderful. Better that we actually get on the same page quicker, even if it's quote-unquote selfish to do so. Got it. Um, no, it's, it's, and it's, Can you it's tell funny. me this that I haven't taught improv or coached in a really long time? So I just have all of these, uh, these tirades ready to go. That yeah. It looks, on anyone else? it looks exciting. You seem very excited about it. Uh, I was going to actually ask, I mean, like Please. you haven't do, you don't do, uh, is improv still like an important part of your life? I mean, I know shit like, but you don't, yeah, you don't coach, you don't teach and who cares? Cause that's not like, that doesn't mean you have, you don't have to, if you're an improviser or anything like that. But like, yeah, you, you, you say you enjoy shitty jobs and mm-hmm. I believe you, but is, I mean, do you still feel like improv is a really important part oh, of your for life? Sure. And I, and every time I, I, I don't go to see too many improv shows, but when I, when I get to, or I get to watch somebody else who I like or an, an ensemble that I really like play, it's really exciting, especially cause like I said, I don't do it very much anymore as a matter of course. Yeah. Um, but, um, and it is super important to my life. I really enjoy it a ton, but it also happens that I like have kind of, um, a dream marriage with my group right now where we get to come in at the perfect time for us during the week, meet up, hang out, talk about bullshit, sing lame parody songs that we made up during the week backstage to each other. Um, which is a thing that we absolutely do. Wow. Um, not as a warm up, just as a like, hey, I thought about this dumb uh, uh, Weird Al esque song parody that everyone needs to listen to right now, and hopefully we, you know, it, it makes everyone laugh. Oh, that sounds fucking lame. Uh, it is. Improv <laughs> is lame, I told you. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we love it, we have a fucking blast, and that's about, and if I were. Um, if I had more time and I like, cause I do enjoy coaching and I do, and I have been asked to coach, but I just has never worked out that I've been able to, mm-hmm. uh, cause I don't have the time. Yeah. Um, if I did have the time, I would, it might be the kind of thing that I would like to go back to do. I might like to go back and teach a class, um, especially on sketch. Um, cause I feel way more qualified to talk about sketch than I do about improv. Um, wow. Well, this last hour was a waste. No, well, I mean, I don't feel not qualified <laughs> no, to talk about it. I'm kidding. Um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, I, I feel like right now it's kind of at its perfect level for me in my life. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. Uh, so I enjoy it, but it was also a blast to just do like crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the right word? Uh, not pedophilic. Jesus Christ, pedantic. Okay. <laughs> I also do want to fuck kids. <laughs> Fair enough. Good night. Good night, DC. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, is there anything you want to plug, share with uh, the everybody? Um, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, myself and Eliza Skinner, uh, a great improviser herself, great. Uh, have a stand-up show that we host um, called Magic Bag, which is now at the Little Modern Theater, which is on 6476 Santa Monica Boulevard. It's every Saturday night um, at 10 p.m., uh, and it's five bucks. 
Um, and then you can go see Dominic Durkis's Anytime Show, which is a live podcast taping before our show at, or I'm sorry, our show's at 9.30. It just moved to 9.30, yeah. not 10. Um, and his show's at 8. You can go see his show, pay five bucks, and stay for our show for free. What? Totally great deal. Best deal. Um, and then I think that's, I'm at, uh, dcpearson.tumblr.com uh, and hopefully I'll be switching that over to dcpearson.com soon um, and shitty jobs Twitter every day twitter.com slash dcpearson yeah shitty jobs is at 11 at UCB <laughs> on Sunday nights and um, I think that's it thank you for having me thank you you're the best oh, that was wonderful sweet I enjoyed that thanks for having me man yeah you think it was good uh, I do there it is DC Pearson was I intimidated by him what do you think uh, you can see DC every Sunday at 11 p.m. at UCBLA with Shitty Jobs and a stand-up show, Magic Bag, every Saturday night. All great stuff. Also, I'm doing a new weekly show at the Improv Space in Westwood with my new team, Distant Relatives. We go up at 10.30 every Friday, and we share the 10 o'clock slot with my favorite customer who does an improvised movie. Both fun shows. Come check them out. Thanks, guys. Happy improvising. Hi. Hi! I'm Chad Westbrook. And I'm Nicholas Wagoner. And are you a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race? You should be. You very much should be. Come listen and subscribe to our podcast, How Is She Though? Where we recap every episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. Come and get your daily dose of vitamin gay, honey. Oh, cr- oh, cr- <laughs>